Hey everybody, welcome back to Tech Strong TV and welcome to another episode of Tech Strong Women, the ongoing series that elevates the conversation about gender equity and parity by celebrating the successes of females in IT and so much more. We have so many great conversations. Uh, I'm Charlene O'Hanlon, as you probably know, but uh, my co-host is Tracy Bannon with MITRE. Tracy, thank you so much for joining me as always. Well, I always get so excited. Thank you very much for allowing me to be a co-host with you. Oh, listen, you, we're, we're, we're equals. We are equals. We're not, uh, you know, superior or inferior. Uh, and with us today, we have Nicole Dove, who is an amazing, amazing female in IT, cybersecurity, and uh, just a, just a, just a rock star in the industry. You, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really thrilled to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. I love anything, effort, or people who celebrate women in tech. So this is like the party to be at. Thanks for having Excellent. me. Excellent. All right. Well, <laughs> hopefully we're uh, hopefully we'll we'll do right by you today. But uh, do want to thank you again for being here. We've got a lot to unpack in today's show. But uh, really, what I want to do um, is. Start out by you know telling us a little bit about what you're doing today and uh, maybe how you got to be where you are. Yeah. So I've got like 50 jobs and it's easy <laughs> because I love them all. So by day, um, I'm head of security at Riot Games, which is super exciting. It's a new role for me. Um, so I'm, I'm really, really happy to be there. Fantastic team, fantastic products and services. Um, I'm also a visiting lecturer at a local university, Clark Atlanta University. And I also extend my teaching into being a LinkedIn learning instructor where I create cybersecurity courses. And then I sit on a couple boards for two tech startups. One is called Wraith Audio and the other is called CyberSync. So a lot of tech, a lot of learning, a lot of teaching, a lot of people in my world. But um, I love all of it and I wouldn't change it for anything. So how did you find your way, though, to this most recent, right, the head of security? Um, yeah. You're one of the few females that I've met so far who are truly head of security. I've got lots of women who are on the rise and in, mm -hmm. in the security area in particular, it is booming. And that's awesome. It's yeah. completely amazing. How did you find your way into that role? I slipped and fell into tech. And <laughs> this role was something that um, I don't know that I expected, but I think that I found myself looking for an opportunity to have impact. Right. So. You know, my career started, I went to school for accounting and finance. I started my career on Wall Street. It was all I wanted to do. And when I got there, I quickly realized like, yeah, this may not be it, right? So like I've got, you know, I don't know if it translates, but I've got purple hair. Oh, you know, I see it. Yeah, right? So, <laughs> you know, back in the day, you know, 20 years ago, you know, it wasn't as accepted as it is now. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, a, a young woman of color who looks different, presents, you know, different than, than the typical Wall Streeter. Um, maybe to be accepted or, or to rise through the ranks. Um, but I learned a lot. I learned so much. Um, got into consulting. I just, I loved solving people's problems, right? I love the, you know, working on different engagements with different teams and different clients. And I really, really love the travel. Um, but again, much of the big four consulting culture did mimic Wall Street. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know, I've got to figure out how to actually 
make a change because I began to see how culture impacts business. So I went all the way to um, a video game company. I worked at Take Two that owns Rockstar, had Mm -hmm. a blast, stayed there about five years, did some video game voiceover work, got my first promotion. I was like, I found my people. Um, And then I wanted to do something a little different. So I got into audit um, Mm -hmm. at a payroll company. And that's where I started to just like explore all types of things. Um, I was on a team. We built staff to manage international work centers in Philippines, Romania, India, Brazil. I got to live in Romania for a little while. That was fascinating. But then I started to see how every single thing I did, whether it be Wall Street and Treasury and video games or payroll or even international operations, tech was the common thread. Right. Like we Mm -hmm. essentially took 20 percent of the company's headcount and staffed it overseas and they were able to be seamless and flawless because of technology. I'm like, there's something with this thing. So I really just took, you know, my expertise from risk and my willingness to learn tech. And that's how I got into cyber. And what I love about this role is, you know, as the company is growing so rapidly um, you see what's happening in the industry, ransomware attacks, new technology. I mean, everything is just exponentially changing. Um, what I like is that I get to bring that business background to cyber, to tech and help people understand that tech is not, um, it doesn't slow you down. If you position it correctly, it can actually enable innovation and speed and agility and creativity. And, um, that's, that's that's what I love most. I would have never, ever thought I would work in tech. Like I can barely hook up a printer, but I know risk. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know people and a lot of tech is 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 people and risk and and um, really just getting the best product and service to the customer. Mm-hmm. And that's that's essentially what 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 brought me right here today. What I love about that story is the fact that you did not swim in your own lane. You were you're going back and forth. So many people, I think, just kind of create a vision for themselves and they go for it. You know, it's this is my goal in life is, you know, is to be a cybersecurity professional. Great. You know, it's it, it, but you've had a lot of so many varied experiences that you've been able to kind of parlay into what you're doing now. And I wonder how how what how did you create the narrative behind that? Because, you know, when when you're thinking about a uh, you know say a, a job title or a job description, and you're maybe going for a particular job or something like that, so many women we've we, and we've had this discussion before. If they don't check all the boxes, they'll never apply for a particular job. Um, and so you know, so many times you look at a job description, you're like, I'm just not sure that you know people you know the, what my skills are will will resonate or will translate very well without me actually having to uh, explain how things go and, and how how they do actually work. So how have you created the narrative around your experience into what you're doing today and how it all fits together? Yeah. So creating and changing narratives is the story, right? And I think the important part was not allowing these unicorn job descriptions to intimidate me. Right. I think a second motivation was seeing men in positions that they didn't qualify for. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know what? If they could do it, why not? Right. And, and so 
but as, as a woman, you know, like we're, we, we think a lot, we're, we're very tactical, right? We think things through. I tried to not think so much about what I couldn't do and thought about what I could do. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'll look at a job description, everything I have, I'll cross that out. I've got that in the bag. Then I look at the things that I don't have and think through how can I get these things or what in my experience may not be exactly this, but lends another perspective on this that I can bring. And then the last part is I'm a non-traditional technologist. So there's Mm going to be a host of things that I bring that nobody else is going to bring. Right. And that's going to be like the magic potion. So, you know, I often challenge women. um, You know, one of my mentors said, I don't even read the job description. (laughs) Right. But it takes away that intimidation factor Mm -hmm. because there's so much of the job that's not on the paper. That's always something I ask in interviews. What do I need to know about this job that I cannot read on this paper? And those are the things that, you know, we need to be prepared for because it's not so much what you expect to happen. The challenges are always the unexpected. And so just by digging in that tool belt and keeping an inventory for my own self, um, it helps you have something to pull from when you're changing that story or wanting to change your story and wanting to know what you can leverage to unlock that next level. Well, you bring up a, a really good point, uh, a side conversation, which is what has happened with job descriptions? Um, they've become magic unicorn listings. Um, and quite frankly, anybody that I interview, anybody, any that I look at, there's never anybody who can check all of the boxes. Yes. And <laughs> it was an important message 20 years ago, but it's an even more important message mm-hmm. now. And there's a reverse to that, which is the folks who are putting those things out need to not focus on finding unicorns. You might run across one by accident or the four leaf clover in that one yard that you walk by. But in Mm -hmm. general, what are those applicable skills? What are the crossovers? And what you had was a lot of crossover skills and a uniqueness Mm -hmm. that other people didn't bring to the table. That's that's thought diversity, right? Mm -hmm. Educational diversity, background Mm -hmm. diversity, right? Mm -hmm. That's what, that's what has helped to jettison you forward. That's fantastic advice. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, I'd I'd be interested when you are going through um, and, and working and mentoring with other people um, and helping them to figure out what they want to do with their career. Are there times where they'll bring a job description and you'll help them to walk through like, don't don't look at this or interpret it in that way. Do you help them apply the same skills that you've done for yourself? Absolutely. So this is an exercise that I've used. So this this exercise actually was a big part of me coming into tech. Right. I was very intimidated by the job descriptions and technology. And it was only because of amazing mentors who were just like, no, you can do this. <laughs> Go in the room and sell what you have, right? You can do this. And so um, it's, you know, things are so much bigger when we, when we don't put them down on paper, right? And so, mm-hmm. and, I, and I realize that a lot of other professionals feel that same intimidation, whether it's within their own field or going into a new field, especially going into a new field, even more going into tech, right? Because it just seems so huge and big and so much relies on it. Right. Um, and so because that exercise was so successful for me, 
it's something I walk people through when they have something that they want to do, when they have a big role they want to apply for. Like, it's a great way to pressure test it, right? Mm -hmm. Because now you walk in pretty much knowing what they want and what they expect. And now you have the opportunity to align yourself with that and be honest about what you don't have, right? But what your thought process is to how you will get it. Because nobody knows everything, right? I'm going to guess there are times where whether it's you or whether it's somebody that you mentor goes into this conversation and the interviewers walk away going, oh, my gosh, that's a great idea. I hadn't thought about that. Right. And so <laughs> so whether they so. hire you or not, they've learned right. and gained kind of in this, you know, odd reverse mentoring that happens when you're bringing those new ideas to the table. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've had some interviews that I've done horribly on, but those were learning experiences too, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I I feel like, you know, with these job descriptions uh, in particular, I think companies do that on purpose so that they can kind of gauge the type of people who do end up applying for those jobs, because those are the ones who are the mavericks, if you will. Those are the ones who really feel as though they can bring as much as possible to the table. And they know that they're not, you know, they don't have 45 years of whatever. Uh, but, you know, but but they think that they're qualified for the job and, and that alone should get them in the door. Um, but, you know, but at the end of the day, it's it's kind of this push and pull between being uh, being what people expect you to be and being your authentic self, your true self, what you know you're capable of doing and who you know you, you are uh, at, at your heart. And that sometimes can be a difficult uh, thing to reconcile being your true authentic self when you, you know, when you know you don't tick all the boxes. And so uh, it, has that ever been a challenge for you to kind of get beyond uh, you know, just knowing that uh, that maybe you're, who you are is not really everything that this person wants you to be on paper, but you know that you bring so much more to the conversation? You know, so I, um, let's unpack the term, like, who they want you to be, right? Yeah. Because what they really want is somebody who can get the job done, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> we We get in our heads, like, and, and I am so guilty. And honestly, Charlene, I'm guilty of this with every single job that I take, even till this day. I don't know why this is a lesson I have to keep learning, but it's it's like, as soon as I step outside the box and I do something bigger, you know, I'm like, oh crap, they 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 really think I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I got to deliver now. And you get so caught up in that ticking and tying and going back to that Mm -hmm. profile Mm -hmm. um, that sometimes you don't see the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. Because when you really take a look, it's like it's not about knowing those things. It's about being it's, it's not even about knowing everything. It's about being relentless about finding the solution, being resourceful about looking for the answer, right? If there's something that you don't know, instead of just going to ask someone, figure out a couple options. Do you know how much I Google like all the time, right? And I felt so bad about that at first, but now that I've been in in, in cyber for a while, I realized there are so many domains. Like I know a little bit about everything, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes I need that deep expertise. I'm not expected to be an expert across the board. So I think it's more about taking a step back and understanding what's needed to thrive and be successful in the role 
and making sure that I'm checking those boxes as opposed to like a, a set of, of technical aptitudes and expertises. Cause I'm not going to have that. I study all the time now and it's, it's never going to happen. Um, but it takes some time. And as much as I'm saying this, I'm probably going to be going through this tomorrow. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> we all, I think that it's a, it's common. And I'm finding that at, at first I thought that it was more women. Um, mm-hmm. I call, sometimes we call it the imposter syndrome. And I used yeah. to think maybe it was more, with females. Um, but I'm, I'm actually realizing that, that it's not, it's, it's everywhere. Oh, yeah. It's everybody. However, to your point earlier, I do see a difference with a woman looking at the list and wanting to be a perfectionist and looking to check mark everything on that list where sometimes a man goes, I got three out of five. That's good we'll enough. Go and I think mm-hmm. what you're saying is don't worry about everything that's there. Mm-hmm. Be close, be energetic, bring your life to it, bring all of your life energy along with you and, and yes. see what happens with it. See what happens with it. You know, along that line is the number of uh, changing uh, job requirements that we're, or job descriptions where they no longer are including um, advanced degrees. I'm seeing mm-hmm. a lot in technology where it's like, yeah, we used to want a, a master's degree in computer science and somebody mm-hmm. who is doing postdoctoral. There'd be wonderful educational um, academic credentials that they would want. Mm-hmm. IBM is one of the first ones to say, let's go non-traditional. And they're expanding mm-hmm. their workforce in crazy amounts. Like, okay. Do you think that that's helping with some of the other work that you're doing? I really want to hear a little bit about IANS um, okay. and, and that kind of mentoring because you're helping you know, people who are in all kinds of different roles, um, Mm -hmm. you're not necessarily mentoring kids at that point. You're, you're out there mentoring the world. Yeah. So I love this question because I think, and especially with me now having a foot in the education, the academia world, I'm seeing things shift, right? Um, I love LinkedIn learning because it saved me so many a days, Mm -hmm. right? Um, because there can be a project that I need to work on or lead that I might not have in-depth experience in. And I can go and find a course on LinkedIn learning and in, within an hour, right? I've got a foundational understanding of what's happening from a verified expert or professional. And my, you know, my certificates from Harvard, my bachelor, double bachelor's from Clark Atlanta didn't create that. Right. Mm -hmm. It was that one hour that I sat and learned when I think about like different career experiences that I've had on the job. Learning is something that I think hasn't been prioritized as much in the past as maybe it is now. Right. Um, And I think that's what's beginning to rise. I think education is going to shift. I think on demand learning and on the job experience is going to become much more um, more acknowledged and respected than it has been traditionally. Um, and and um, I talk I talk a lot about this. Um, I, I've got a podcast called Urban Girl Corporate World. You'd be surprised at like what I had a CISO who went to school for women's studies, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. The head of risk and um, and security at TikTok. She went to school for finance. She was a former Wall Streeter too. Right. But as leaders, it gives us so many different lenses. Um, And that's what I really love about working with IONS as faculty. So IONS is a service that organizations can subscribe to and they provide a ton of support in different ways. So they've got forums and conferences and online classes, but they have this service called Ask an Expert. 
And essentially, you can look across any cybersecurity domain. They've, we've got about 85 to 100 faculty, typically CISO or CISO directs. And you can spend an hour on the phone with this professional expert and talk about anything. I have helped CISOs look at their strat plans, develop security awareness programs, um, help government agencies enhance their third-party risk management programs, right? They're not, they, this is, and, and this is different from, again, they could go on LinkedIn Learning and get that foundational aspect, but they want the experience, right? Mm-hmm. And I think to your point, Tracy, that's what mentorship is about getting the firsthand perspective from somebody with experience because mm-hmm. theory is great, but execution is so much better. And, you know, what I'm able to share is, Hey, I've done that before, or, Oh, you're thinking about doing this. Well, I did that and it flopped and here's why here's what right. you need to be mindful of. And that's, that's what I, I find really, really special about, about that offering with IONS. I think you're going to see, you know, to the, the point you just made, the education system is changing. Higher education. Um, one of my besties is a tenured professor, and we talk about this all the time, how it changed with the GI Bill, how it's changing now. Um, but we are always going to need, especially in STEM, we're always going to need those researchers. We're always going to need the theorists. So the theorists won't go away. Right. But we also don't need everybody to be a theorist. So right. how do we how do we move towards the type of education that you're talking about, which yeah. is um, relevant to where we are now based mm-hmm. on experience, but relevant to what's happening right now with those theorists helping us to get smarter mm-hmm. and stronger as mm-hmm. we go? I think we're going to see a big change um, in mm-hmm. the number of students that are you know, looking at four year degrees for different reasons. I yeah. agree. I, I remember even before, you know, the pandemic, uh, there was a big push to get uh, people doing trades, uh, going back into the trades because we just, we didn't have, we had, everybody was in college. So nobody could right. actually unplug a toilet, basically. <laughs> so, you know, now with, with, with the pandemic. We have all these people who have gone on and, and done a lot of online learning, gotten certifications and recognizing that. I hope I just didn't waste three years of college money in, you know, learning something that quite literally the last six months or the last nine months going online and really hyper-focusing what, uh, what I'm looking at, what I'm learning about is helping me in my career more than my four-year degree ever did. So I agree with you 100% that the, that the, that the education system as we know it is changing. The traditional four-year degree probably is going to be going away. And between you and me, I hope it happens within the next six years because I'm sitting on a really... That yeah. 529 account that I would like to use that money to buy a summer home or something like that. <laughs> I don't think it's ever going to go away, but I think we're going to see it return to a, a pure, a more pure sense. We need now I'm I'm an advocate of the the liberal arts programs where, you know, we ha- we teach people how to think. I'm also a big advocate of non-traditional education. Um, it can be on the job. It can be through, um, gosh, boot camps that you take. It can be through mm-hmm. LinkedIn learning. We just have to help with the corporate America to think about the diversity of the education itself and to be more yeah. accepting of it. That's the pivot point 
that we're at right now. Mm-hmm. As I've I've been in some interviews where people have, you know, where we're interviewing and I've had to kind of mute out and say, guys, they don't have that, but that's okay. Are you not listening to the story? Right. right? Are you not listening yeah. to the story? So now I agree with that. Nicole, I, do I you also, also oh go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tracy. I was going to ask you if you also, you know, you're mentoring adults in a formal setting with uh, with IONS. Um, are you also still mentoring with some of the other outreach groups that you were working with before? Yeah, so I typically uh, kind of the first priority for mentorship that I get now are my students. Right. Okay. So that go through my lecture series just because I'm, I'm finding quite naturally, you know, you have like that top 20 percent of your of your of your students that really, really like are excellent and, and really engage the content and then really take it to practice. And a lot of them, because um, my course is MBA level, a lot of them are, you know, really starting, you know, or management level or supervisory level in their careers. And, you know, bringing in that people aspect is a totally different ball game than just being a tactical executor. Um, I also um, speak a lot at conferences. Um, my podcast has an online community of about 800 women from all over the world where we talk about, you know, different things um, about our experiences as women in the workplace. Um, and then, you know, this this industry is so small and we're just circles of, of people intersecting. And so there's always, you know, different CISOs who are starting mentoring circles and they may want you to meet someone and meet someone else. Um, so a lot of it is just is very organic, but I am very intentional about connecting with um, professionals on the rise and like the next generation of professionals because every single fantastic opportunity I have had nine times out of 10 is going to be because of a mentor or somebody who sponsored me or spoke up for me. So I feel obligated to pay it forward. There's, there's no possible way. I agree. I, I think, you know, a, the, where we go in, in, our, in our lives uh, from a career perspective has a lot to do with the influence that other people have on us and, and, and as well as the influence that we have on other people. So I, I, I would be loath to be able to count on one hand how how many experiences or how many opportunities I got by answering an ad in the newspaper or online. It the best ones have always been, you know, I know somebody who's looking for this person. I think you'd be perfect for the job. So, and I think again that that kind of goes back to that that being your authentic self conversation because, you know, these people know who you are. They know what you're capable of doing, and they know uh, what you can bring to an organization. And I think that can only be had by by developing these relationships, whether it's with the people you're mentoring or who are mentoring you. Uh, or even just people who you're working with on a, on a day-to-day basis. I always think that it's, it's best to, to bring your authentic self to whatever you do. And that can pay off in spades. Agree. Now, Nicole, you, you do a lot of mentoring, but let me turn the question a little bit. Did you have mentors? Are there people that you're like, yeah. it hadn't been for Joe or Sally or, or Mary? Oh. Or, who, 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 <laughs> any, any stories you can I'm share with us a there? Yes there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Man, there are so many stories I can share. I'm going to share. So I was at a tech conference once and there, you know, even now, but even more so years ago, there are very few women, right, in, in, in attendance. And so I am a complete introvert. 
And so after I engage with people, lots and lots of people, I need to take a break and just kind of like replenish. So if you're at a tech conference, the best place to take a break as a woman is the women's lounge because nobody else is going to be in there. So I'm, I'm, I'm at the women's lounge. And I'll never forget this in the St. Regis in Atlanta. And I'm just hanging out, being an introvert on my phone. And um, in walks a woman who was on the stage earlier. And I had, I had really admired what she spoke about. And I had said to myself, oh, I'm going to reach out. To, I'm going to talk to her before the day is over. But again, I'm in like relaxed introvert mode. I'm like, mm-hmm. we're in the restroom. That's so weird. I'm not going to talk to her. And I just kind of left it alone. And she came back and she was like, oh my God, you're an introvert too. I'm like, yes, my people. And so we just started <laughs> talking and I mentioned some things that she had um, spoke about earlier. And she was just like, oh my goodness, we just have to stay connected. And we have. She has been so instrumental to my growth in the industry, right? Um, I ended up changing jobs sometime after. She helped me think through, you know, which which options to take, which aligned and why, right? The industry is small. I know this leader. I know that person. Oh, you need to meet such and such, right? Like if I really trace it back, my opportunity at Riot kind of goes back to her and and, and some Mm -hmm. folks that that she connected me with um, some time ago. And she's, she's, her name's Olivia Rose. She's a CISO at Amplitude. She is just phenomenal and fantastic. And I strive and hope to be half of what she was to me, to many others, because literally mentors have changed my life. Another one is um, Trina uh, Ford, who's the CISO at AEG. When I was first thinking about coming into tech, um, she was the chief business security officer at my then company. And I reached out to her and I was like, I'm not sure, but I'm really interested. And she was like, I think you would be good. You should interview, right? Just getting that nod of approval or getting that push, yeah. it makes so much of a difference. And I, I, these are women that I call on often for advice, for perspective. And um, they're, they're just fabulous. And I only can imagine you know, what challenges they had to overcome to get where they are, right? And so I'm really grateful um, to have amazing women like that in, in my space, in my circle. And do you it have any like mentors? Or- Go ahead, um, Charlene, please. I was just going to say, it sounds like they were all organic. Mentoring, you know, they, 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 they weren't set up, you know, it's just like you click with somebody or you don't. And yeah. uh, if you click with somebody, then... You know, those are the best relationships to have because y- you know each other. You know where your right. strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah. Sorry, a lot go of ahead. Have go ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and that's why I, I love the idea of mentoring programs. Uh, and I love them when they work, but I really do think that the best mentors are the ones who you, you actually kind of find uh, on your own, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, have all of your mentors been been women? And the reason I ask oh, that is no. that when I look back over my career, a lot of my career, I've been the only woman in the room. Mm-hmm. So one of the most impactful mentors to me was a fellow by the name of Scott Barr. And he was the wind beneath my wings. He just said, no, why are you are this go and do this? And he would open doors, not 
literally open the doors. He would open the door of opportunity and say, you need to charge through that. And we would Mm -hmm. talk it through. And I know that I would not be where I am right now. Had he not, you know, looked at this person a couple of years younger and said, but what are you doing over there being quiet? Get up here at the table. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they have not all been women. Um, One of my favorite and most impactful mentors was a man, uh, Steve Chiano. I was working in audit and I was, I audited him. And I think he was just really impressed with my preparedness, my executive presence. And he told me, he said, if you ever need anything, let me know. And I was like, okay, I'm going to call you. And I called him, (laughs) right? And he helped me navigate some of the, at, at that point, some of, some of the biggest decisions that I had in my career. And what I loved about um, Steve is that, you know, first of all, legal is much like cyber audit. It's a service to the business, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. he has a perspective of how you have to position your offerings in order to get buy-in, right? Um, how to effectively manage relationships and rapport, um, which is something that I might not get from another business leader because, right, right they are income driving. Um, what I also liked about him, he would always t- sometimes, like, I was so young and like so ambitious. And he would just say, Nicole, get out of my office. Like, what are you, what are you doing? What are you talking about? Right. And I love the candor because sometimes you need to tell super young, ambitious kids, like a lot of things are timing, not now. And I can't imagine had I taken some of these opportunities that were just crazy, it would have rerouted my path, but having someone to ground me um, and tell me when I'm absolutely nuts but then motivate me and push me. And what I what I love most, and I say I love most because I love so much about Steve, he never tried to make a decision for me. He helped me think through the consequences and downstream impact of my options. Yeah. And that is a great mentor. That absolutely is. Don't yeah. tell me what to do. I may right. ask you for a little bit more Uh, Mm -hmm. guidance than what you're giving me Mm -hmm. right now. I may say, let's role play a little bit, but don't tell me what to do and teach me, help me figure it out. I love it. I love it. That is, that is great. So you are, you're actually keynoting at RSA this year, right? Yes. I'm so excited. I am really Tell us about that. How, how, How did that come about? So RSA, I mean, that's like the godfather of, of the tech conferences. And I remember Absolutely. when I first got in tech, one of my peers had presented at RSA and I was just like, wow, it just, it seems so big, so far, so great. And um, I was like, I want to do that one day because um, I really, really love speaking and I love speaking about tech. Um, and I love speaking about being a woman in tech. Um, so when I saw the open call for RSA, I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw my name in the hat and I did, and it worked. So I'm really excited. I'm going to be on the C on the C track, the C suite track, um, and I'm going to be talking about how your business information security officers are your cybersecurity secret weapon. It's a new emerging role in the industry, right? Many companies are starting to build this into their teams or leadership teams, but I don't know that a lot of organizations know how to best leverage them. And so I think by helping them understand how to unlock um, all of the, the benefits and juice that come with the BSO, I think it can really help take organizations and their cybersecurity programs to another level. That is awesome. 
I wish you the best of luck with that. That's 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 going to be a great uh, a great discussion. Um, and and you know, do do you do you have other folks who are going to be speaking there with you, or are you you doing it all by yourself? So I'm doing a solo uh, presentation okay. by myself. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, uh, hopefully great. we see you there. Mm-hmm. I am hoping to make it there. It's it's hanging in the balance right now, it's but it hanging. would be fun to connect. It would be fun yes, to connect. It def- yeah. Listen, we won't be hard to find. I'll have purple hair. Y'all have pink hair. Right? That's right. All colors and coalitions. We'll be doing it. We will be doing <laughs> right. it. So, hey, you know, as we've been talking about mentoring, um, I mentioned this to Charlene earlier. You know, I try to really tailor where I spend my time, um, not to be stingy with it, but it's very easy to bleed out by just mm-hmm. wanting to be too many things to too many mm-hmm. people. I noticed a, a trend across years that you're not necessarily at the food pantry, but you are, you know, and, I'm, and I don't mean that as a negative. I mean, you're figuring out how do you get the most bang for the buck? How do you take the things that you're doing during the day? It looks like you're using that as a way to kind of tailor where you're mentoring and how you're leaning in. Is that, is that fair to say? I mean, give some guidance to those listening on how do you figure out where to, where to mentor, where to build community, where to invest your time with the extracurriculars that, you know, that, that are tangential to career. Yeah. I think that the first thing is, is being intentional, right. And and being self-aware. It's like, and it starts with your own journey. Everything that that I pour into people is motivated by what I wish I knew then, right? Like I strive to be the person that I needed then. And I think that begins to lay the roadmap for the communities you engage in, the perspective that you hope to share, right? Um, And so I think another big thing too is you can't be everything to everybody. Pardon me. So it's about carving out time for that specifically. So for me, I typically will take mentoring calls one day a week and I'll block off, you know, maybe three or four hours. Right. But I also and maybe maybe it's not necessarily mentoring because when I say mentor, well, maybe it is. Because I see mentoring as more of like a long-term relationship building, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes, and I think you have to be, there has to be a finite amount of that. Because if mm-hmm. I'm going to mentor 50 people, I'm going to give them just a tiny bit. I think they deserve more. So I'm more than willing to have a 30-minute conversation, you know, and talk to somebody, you know, go through things and chat through things and pressure test things and brainstorm. Right. But there's going to be a reduced few that I really am going to connect with and carry through that process. I remember I had a mentor once and she said, I do this for one year. And I was like, you know what? I love that because it's like we've got stuff to accomplish. We set goals up front. We check in and we make sure that we're on the right path. And if we're not seeing results, we change courses. Um, But again, I think it's all about carving out time, being intentional being selective, both the mentor and the mentee, understanding what it is that you have to offer and what that's anchored in and rooted in and just finding your people. And some of it is trial and error, right? You don't get it right every time, but you've just got to start somewhere and it will all 
Well, you you've mentioned that there are um, some some very intentional mentoring relationships where you have goals that are set. Um, and so it's it's more formal. But there, mm-hmm. There's also another side of it that you hit on, which is there are accidental or um, unintentional or casual mentoring mm-hmm. that happens. Um, mm-hmm. Both are really valuable. I do yeah. have women that reach out who want soundbite guidance. Um, Mm -hmm. which eventually turns into a little bit more, Mm -hmm. but you're right. You kind of have to limit that because, you know, that's that seagull opinions that are provided without getting to understand them and know the context of their life force, right? What's, what's their spark? What's their essence? I can give them some generalities that they might be able to Google. (laughs) They might be able to find in a book. Yeah. Yeah. the, The formality. Did you find that the formality, making sure that you set goals with a mentor helped as well? You know, I think even in the casual mentorships, there's still a little bit of formality in there because I'm not going to set up time with, you know, somebody that I admire just to like, you know, shoot the breeze, you know, like it just, it doesn't make sense. And but Mm -hmm. there are spaces for that. Mm -hmm. Right. But if I'm going to take an hour or 30 minutes or 45 minutes out of your day, I want to make it worth my while. Right. And so I think there's, there's always, um, we always have things that we're working towards. Right. And some of those goals are big. Some of those goals are small, all relevant. Um, but I think making sure that when you when you get access to this person with this knowledge and perspective that you want to pull from, you make the most of that time because time is the most valuable thing that we have. And, you know, some personalities lean towards they need that structure. Right. Some people for, for the time they need that structure. Um, on the other side, you know, some personalities like it a little bit more fluid. Mm-hmm. And, and if that's what works, go for it. But I think within both, we've got to be intentional in what we what we what we're hoping to gain and what we're hoping to give. Thank you for that. I'm I learn something every time we have a conversation, every time that we engage in one yeah. of the uh, these with any of the guests that we've had. Charlene, yeah. I think we're running a little bit uh, low on time. We, yes, we only have a couple of minutes left. So I, I want to actually close with one question and uh, maybe we can just kind of uh, think about it if, if we can't if we can't actually answer it here. But what, what is what is what is the one thing that you wish you had done differently in your career? Not second guess myself. Just go for it. Worrying is a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Either you win or you learn, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, winners never quit and quitters never win. So just keep going. If I would have just kept, I would have probably saved everybody so much time, including myself. That, that is that is great advice. I, I, I actually recently read something that somebody said something to the effect of you can't run the race before it starts. You know, you can't. You can't worry about things that you really don't have any control over. So I, uh, I, I love that. I love that. You know, stop second, second guessing. Just live your life, you know, in, in the best way possible. So uh, I think it's I think it's great. Nicole, thank you so much for your time, your expertise, uh, just for being so awesome. We really do appreciate your being on Tech Strong Women. Uh, it was a great conversation. I sure hope you'll come back for and uh, join us again on a future episode. Absolutely. Thank you, lady. Charlene Tracy, you are amazing. And I love this platform and what you're doing. Well, Thanks, thank guys. You. All right. Thank you. 
All right, everybody, we've got lots more Tech Strong TV coming up, so stay tuned.